As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to Until Saturday, Sunday Sound Off Edition on Monday. I am joined by two of my right-hand men this season to discuss a hell of a weekend. And obviously, we're going to have a lot of help from the listeners who have submitted questions and voicemails. Um, But also, too, we're doing this on Monday because we wanted to make sure that we got the LSU-Florida State game in the books before we did it. I'm happy that we waited. I think that was a good decision because I think we might have a new national championship contender on our hands that we might not have taken as seriously had we done it yesterday. Max Olson's joining me today. Max, how are you? I'm good. Can someone have two right-hand men or does that make me your left-hand men? How does that work? What if I'm ambidextrous? Yeah, well, I guess it depends on how long your right arm is, right? Do you keep do you keep your wife to the left and your your, your yeah. boys to the right? Like, how does that? Listen, buddy, I just I know. Uh, you know we keep going down the right hand uh, <laughs> the right hand <laughs> jokes, and we're just not going to say the right thing here. So why don't we just move on? And uh, you know, yeah, but I'm excited. I'm excited to be on the show today, Dave. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Back from Fort Worth, ready to go out to Boulder. Max will be joining me this weekend. Uh, Never been to Boulder. <laughs> It's good, Max. I've been there uh, four times, I think, uh, in the last nine months. So, oh, why is that? Uh, oh, interesting. <laughs> I, so gonna, uh, I know it well the, at this point. The way that the Colorado game went on Saturday uh, could not have worked out better for both of you. As you go out to that game, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. And no matter what happens for you, Max, uh, you're good. Uh, if Nebraska ends up winning that game, three point spread. That's a hell of a storyline for a team that a lot of people were, you know, making jabs at and. Uh, you know, is Colorado it only three wins right now. The, like, I, I, saw, it's, I opened it three. I don't know. I haven't around. looked. It's been moving around. I assume, it's, I assume it's going to be flying around. Yeah, I've seen yeah. it between five and two, but I think it's sitting at three at most. Points. The fact that it's less okay. than a touchdown, though, I think is kind of an interesting thing that we'll certainly get into. Yeah. Uh, before we get into the questions, guys, though, and and of course the breakdown of the LSU Florida State game, I just wanted to make sure that I reminded everybody who's listening on the YouTube channel live right now to be sure to follow the podcast on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcast and. Be sure to drop us a five-star review and leave a question with your review. Uh, If it's a five-star review, we will answer it on the show. If you are listening to it in reverse, which is uh, in the YouTube feed, but you want to listen to the podcast feed um, or vice versa, um, subscribe to Until Saturday on YouTube. That is on the 
podcast's description. Um, also, if you like what you hear on this show today, uh, voicemails, we'd love you to be a part of all of the things that we do on these uh, Sunday sound off shows. The phone number is 316-462-9852. You can text or call that phone number um, voicemail line. We prefer voicemails because we want you people to feel a part of it. Um, but if not, text in, we'll use the questions too. And then, of course, um, sign up for the Until Saturday newsletter where you'll get daily fill of college football news right into your inbox. The links are also in the show's description. And we are through that pretty smoothly. Had a little uh, word salad there working on it. But now let's actually talk about football, guys. So when you looked at uh, and watched the game on Saturday, uh, or sorry, Sunday, what was your main takeaway? Max, let's start with you. Man, I mean, I think we got to talk about the. I guess do we start with the second half? I guess. I mean, yeah, that's that's ultimately to. what we, what we'll remember, right? Um, you know, extra extra sloppy in the first half of all overall, but I, I, I'm just so impressed by what Mike Dornavell has done at Florida State. Um, I, I think that that second half really reflected the upside of Florida State. Um, this is a staff that. You know, <laughs> it's it's not easy nowadays, right? People don't have a lot of patience. I think this this coaching staff lost ten of their first thirteen games in Tallahassee, and people were were very very ready to to treat this as as questionable and hot seat and all that kind of stuff. Um, but look what they built. I mean, I just think the 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 talent acquisition, um, both in high school recruiting and especially in the transfer portal, really showed up. Um, on 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 Sunday night, just in terms of like how talented that team is, how, how talented their lineup is on both sides now, and uh, you know, really, it, it, it's this latest portal hall: Keon Coleman, Jaheim Bell, um, Braden Fisky, like all these dudes all over the field. Like they've got some players, and I know Ari, you look at the mm-hmm. um, team talent composite and are very intrigued by what does that really say about Florida State? You know, usually that where they're at in terms of blue chip ratio doesn't really equate to playoff team, national championship contender, Mm -hmm. but you watch them and you watch them line up against uh, line up against what we think is going to be a very good sec team. They've got dudes now. Well, let me tell you before we get to you, Dave, um, after the show's over, the thing that I'm going to do them immediately after um, is write a column about how this is the first time that a team ranked in this general area in the two, four, seven sport composite ranking, um, this is the first time I've ever thought they could legitimately win the national championship after watching them play last night. Um, and I think that following this team and tracking what they're capable of doing is going to be an interesting litmus test as we continue to um, rethink what those rankings mean in the transfer portal era. Like this team, the way that they played. And again, week one, you, if you think I'm crazy, please tell me before I do this and humiliate myself. But the physicality in which they played with um the fact that they were able to completely emotionally and mentally break LSU in that second half. Mm-hmm. It was a thorough ass kicking and LSU lied down. Um, and I didn't mention, let, let me just not forget yeah. to mention guys, Jordan Travis, like, yeah, he's, he's such a delight to watch. I feel like if I was a Florida state fan, I would be, find him a little bit terrifying because that guy will run through anybody. Like he, he, he will put himself in any kind of danger to go get, go get a first down, go get a score. What was um, it? But I mean, when he, when it was, when it was humming, when it was clicking um, and like you, you saw the stuff at the, at the goal line with um, yeah. the way he improvised on, on the read option stuff like that kid, when he, when he is good, it is really damn good. Was it just me guys? Or did it feel like they were just hitting hard and playing hard and flying to the football? And I mean, I mean LSU in the teams, first half yeah. too. I mean, it did, 
to me, it just seemed like a high-level football game, despite the fact there were a lot of mistakes in the first half. Weird turnovers, dumb penalties, late hits, goal line stands, all that stuff. But that's what you expect in week one. But I thought that the way that those two played the game in the second half, especially Florida State, obviously, because they they broke LSU's will. I really do believe that, um, mm-hmm. that they could play on the same field as a Georgia or an Alabama at that level. Now, the, the thing that I think will be interesting as we continue to go on into the season is that because Florida State hasn't been recruiting at a high enough level. Um, and when I say high enough, I mean it comparable to Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, those teams, they might have uh, less uh, ability to sustain bad injuries as some of the bit better teams would. I think they have to stay healthy, but I think that in terms of their all 22, uh, they're, they're starting 22 players that they are probably as physical. I mean, we didn't talk about Jared verse. He's one of the best uh, defensive linemen in the country and probably should be in the NFL right now. Um, I think that stacks up with anybody in the country, you know, offensive skill talents off the, off the board. Uh, Jordan Travis is a star Jared verse on defense and just the physicality that this team played with. It's like, I don't think how you could watch this game and not be like, Holy crap, Florida state's legitimately awesome this year. Yeah. I mean, I think ultimately one quarterback continued the growth that we saw from last year and one did not, uh, the, the, the Jane Daniels we saw looked a lot like the Jane Daniels we saw in week one, a little bit of happy feet, a little bit of eyes dropping when the rush got in there, a little bit panicky and pretty inaccurate. Uh, he grew up a lot in the last month of the season, and it looked like in week one, and, and I think part of this is a credit to Florida State and their pass rush uh, and some of the hits that he took as well, but uh, he looked like he regressed a little bit, and maybe he could snap out of it, um, but we did not see him continue that growth, whereas Jordan Travis looked even better than he did last year when he looked really great last year. Dave, am I going to get through the first segment without without bringing this up? I'm sorry, Max, you're with me on this, right? Can I, pre- uh, <laughs> can I preface this by saying that I was also one of the two people on our staff who picked Florida State to the playoff, but continue. Yeah, okay. Listen, you don't get to get out of a crap take because the other take that you had happens to look good. Um, no, I'm just kidding with you, but like you thought that LSU – was uh, the favorite to win the SEC when you looked at the roster this year? Um, SEC you know, West. Or SEC West. Uh, you know, you we have like five or six one-star reviews because of your Alabama takes. Yeah. Uh, when you watch <laughs> those two teams play this week, do you still think that? Like, can you like? Th- th- this is ex- what I was thinking during the game. I, uh, let me put it this way, Ari. <laughs> yeah. As I'm watching that game, I'm like, there was an argument for LSU being the best team in the country this year. I don't remember what that argument was. <laughs> yeah, what was the argument? It was dudes everywhere. It was very simple. Uh, listen, I think there were LSU, dudes nowhere in the second half, though, pal. Well, here's the thing: LSU does have dudes everywhere, but it doesn't do a whole lot if you misuse said dudes, right? We, we have yeah. Harold Perkins rushing the passer seven times on the night and spending most of it standing there staring at Jordan Travis and spying, not doing the thing he did best. That's a bit like making sure that you get as many low post touches for Steph Curry as you possibly can. Makes no sense. You are playing without Mason Smith, who might be one of the five best defensive linemen in the country. Mm-hmm. I'm a, listen. Last night was embarrassing for LSU. Uh, I do agree with you, Ari. I think they, I think they broke in the second half. But that tells me two things. One, this is still a really good team, and they're not twenty-one points worse than Florida State. And if there's improvement there, I think you're going to get a motivated team. I'm holding on to my LSU stock. So we can revisit this show later. I think if Jaden Daniels can get a little bit less happy feet, they can get a little bit more development at receiver. You get Mason Smith back. 
Can we stop doing whatever they're trying are to we? do with Harold Perkins and let the man go chase Dude. quarterbacks? Yeah. What Harold are we Perkins doing? Rushed what the was quarterback that? ten times Coaching last Coaching malpractice. Yeah. It's insane. It's insane. No, I, I nobody don't know had what a better doing. seat for that game than Harold Perkins. He just got to stand right in the middle field and watch all of it. You know. Yeah, I hope somebody asked him about <laughs> Jordan Travis on on Sunday night and, and how awesome he looked because he had a lot of time to sit and stare at him. It's just. I still think LSU is a very good team. I still think they're probably the best roster in the West. I'm not going to back off of LSU. I think Florida State's really good. I just think you got to do some different things. And I think that if you can not get broken, you can still hang. So listen, well, for them to win the national championship now, they have to they have to run the table now. They yeah. can't lose again that's because fine. if they lose twice and they have this blowout loss on their resume, there's no way that's going to be the first two loss team to make the playoff. And I'm wondering too. You said about Jaden Daniels and his happy feet. And we kind of used his his star ability or the ability for him to become a star as a as a reasoning for him to potential or for LSU to potentially win a national title this year. Are we even sure he's a starting quarterback in a month? Here, but here's the problem. That's a, that's Ari. a fair like, question. You have to okay. Jaden Daniels is the run game for LSU. I mean, you, yeah. their, their running backs combined for 12 carries last night, and I know there was like two explosives, but otherwise those guys didn't do much. Obviously, you don't have John Emery, you didn't have Logan Diggs, like. That part you got to figure out because if you took if you put in Garrett Nussmeyer, mm-hmm. you have no run game. And let's also listen. I know we're, you know everybody's going to bag on LSU. Let's also not forget that they had two trips inside the ten where they got zero points out of it. So like this is a don't get me wrong. What they did in the second half, they got outscored thirty eight to three over like a twenty minute window. Right, that's it's bad. But like LSU is better than they looked last night. So like I think everybody's going to jump off the LSU bandwagon. <laughs> But you can get some things corrected. Stop doing whatever they're doing with Harold Perkins. That is number one. What like that's insane. I didn't Tap feel in, his presence on the field last night, and that's a shame because he's the best player in college Travis, football. And that's the problem. Like that's it's 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 wild to me. Like you know, Brad Kelly after the game talking about you know last year he was see ball get ball. We wanted to you know he's learning a new position. What are we doing? He like he was probably you know one of the three best defensive players in the country last season. There was a case for him as the best in the country coming into this year, and you're taking him out of doing the thing that he does best, and it's a, it, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know what the motivation is. Like pass rushers are the most valuable defenders in the NFL. So what do you want to have an, an off ball linebacker, a middle linebacker sitting there spying a quarterback? A lot of people can spy, and it's not like Jordan Travis is a track star either. Right. So like he can move, but like I'm sure there's plenty of linebackers on LSU's roster. I will give you this, Dave. I think that effectively this thought process of and I'm sure this is probably your preseason process, but Makai Wingo, Mason Smith and Harold Perkins all like hitting on all cylinders. Wingo looked awesome last night for the record. I mean, Wingo, well, in the first half, you know, Mm -hmm. I I don't know what happened in the second. Like, I I honestly don't recall LSU making a play in the second half. Uh (laughs) You know, which is maybe that's a testament to how good uh, Florida State is. But, you know, now I'm very curious, too, if Florida State can, you know, go through the uh, ACC, not drop some of those weird Texas like games that they've lost the past few years and, you know, beat Clemson. But I I think that the biggest takeaway here isn't so much, you know, on or off LSU's bandwagon. Uh, It's more so like, how good do you think Florida State is? And I'm on record here saying that I underestimated this team. And I wonder if this is going to be the the blueprint or the masterclass of how to build a program in 2026. When you look back at it, I thought they're a playoff team. We'll see what Clemson does tonight, but I I thought they're a playoff team coming into the season. Florida state. If you, if you had to pick a number today, did they win nine games, 10 games or 11 games in the regular season? 11, 11. Wow. 
We are well, all the, the way on is, them. Well, the thing I that's crazy is I loved them. They're listen, um, again. It's a dudes everywhere situation. You look at their receivers. Mm-hmm. You look at Jordan Travis. You look at Jordan Verse. They got guys all over the place. And Clemson's the have, only team I think they're going to play other than LSU that's on their level. So I would have said have ten we or eleven. Said the name Clemson's Keon Coleman yet on this podcast because I can't. I, mean, I feel yeah, like we can't he, get through dude, it without it. Yeah. I mean, that dude, okay. the jump ball, the jump ball king. It's this is insane. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a good season to track for sure. I'm looking at Florida State schedule here, guys. Um, they play at Clemson in like three weeks, mm-hmm. which is great. Can't it's like wait. early on in the year. And then like the rest of their schedule is Vatek, Syracuse, Duke, Wake, Pitt, Miami, North Alabama, and Florida. It's like, yeah. you know, that Florida game is always interesting, but they are double digit favorites in every single game after the yeah. Clemson game. Yeah, so, you know, if yeah. they don't make 11 or don't win 11, then something went wrong there. Um, the hope is, you know, as always with every college team that they stay healthy and as explosive as that. But I thought that the it wasn't just how how many points they won by. I thought it was the physicality in which they played, the athleticism that was oozing off the television screen and how they made a team that is deep and talented as LSU just completely snap like that. To me, it's not just winning. It just feels like completely different than last year's game. And to, to play with that much confidence in week one, too, right? Like, I just like, yeah. I just, like, I, I was working on, you know, there's like the FWA um, top 16. I was kind of working on that. Like, I think I'm going to put Florida State at two because honestly, you just go through it. Like, how many other teams were ready to play that caliber of a football game in week one this year? Like, I just, you have to yeah. give them a ton of credit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they have to play Clemson twice, probably this year, as Kevin Wise points out here in the chat. Um, we'll see. I'm, I'm very intrigued to watch Clemson on Monday night. You know, we'll see what what the answer was. I feel like an idiot because, you know, I sometimes rely too much on the two four seven sport composite, and I wrote in thoughts Monday last Monday that Clemson seems like a better candidate to make the playoff out of the ACC than Florida State, and it's like, well, I'm already wrong on that one. Um, well, so we'll, we'll see. What, see. What, Listen, Garrett Riley, man, Garrett Riley. No, I know. I, I, want, I, know, I want to see I Clemson tonight. I, I I love Florida State, but if if Clemson all of a sudden. Is back to like no, we're back on Ohio State, Bama, Georgia's level. I, I wouldn't be shocked, and I think it's gonna be because of Garrett Riley because their offense schematically had so many issues the last couple of years, and DJU struggling didn't help. Who bears the responsibility for what? I don't really know. I thought DJU looked pretty good yesterday uh, out in San Jose. You know, we'll see. It is what it is uh, in terms of who you're playing, but Garrett Riley plus Cade Klubnick, even without receivers, because I don't think they have any game breakers there. You know. We'll see. I, I, I'm I'm look out for Clemson. I feel like that's it, more likely to be a full four quarter game than when we saw Monday night. Yeah, I don't. I don't. what are you talking about? Duke tonight? I, I, no, I feel, no, no, no. I feel Florida like Clemson State. can hang with Florida State for oh, yes, all four quarters. Yes, I think that's definitely true. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, guys, when we do the the Sunday sound off this year, you know, moving forward, we will have covered every big game that has played on the Saturday night show. So Sunday will be more about the, the sounding off part, but you know, 15 minutes in isn't bad. We are going to get to the voicemails now, but before we do that, let me just remind you of the phone number. 316-462-9852. 316-462-9852. 
888-789-9852. Please leave your voicemails. Tell us your opinions. If you hate something we said, tell us. If you have an observation that nobody's talking about, please submit them. We listen to all of them. We laugh. We cry. All of them. We just want your voices to be represented on the show. It means a lot to us. So without further ado, let's get to the voicemails. Number one. Oh, my God. It is Calvin from Boulder again. And I just, oh, man, I am 6'10", 195 after that game. Holy cow. All I got to say is uh, Christmas Day came early, and it's called a, a Heisman Trophy for Shador Sanders and Travis Hunter. First time ever they're giving out two Heisman trophies. I have nothing to say. I woke up today nervous. Okay, I woke up at like 7.30, 9 o'clock kickoff, all right? And I was like, am I going to watch it on my phone in a cafe? No, I'm not. I drove an hour to go to Hooters at 9 a.m., the closest sports <laughs> bar, all right? And I ordered coffee at Hooters at 9 a.m., watched the first half, and then realized I was too stressed to watch it in the Hooters, so I went back and watched it in my car by myself. I couldn't be around other people, but my God, what a game. Ugh. I got nothing else to say. Scope up. Ari, in the mud. In the absolute mud. Holy, holy, holy shit. Can I say that? Bleep that if I can't. But wow. Wow, 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 wow. Scope up. Scope up. Scope up. I just, a couple things before we get to it. Hooters, okay. An hour? To who, where does he? Doing? Where does this man live? He says he's in Boulder. There's a bunch of good places to watch games. <laughs> There's in Boulder. not a we single got, does have a brunch menu. I guess I haven't been to Hooters. Days. Why don't you go be an investigative reporter? You go to Boulder all the time and figure out where this man lives based on where the where we the Hooters get this is. Man, some help. What we Hooters gotta, was this? I don't know. We got to get this. Also, man does some Hooters help. open at 9 a.m.? I don't know. Apparently, I guess I, maybe on Colorado game days. I don't. Well, you know, I don't back know. on the, <laughs> in the West Coast where I grew up, like. You had to go to restaurants to watch games when I was a kid at nine because it was they didn't have the NFL Sunday ticket. But that is just a a, a really really funny funny situation there. I, I, I'm happy. <laughs> so to I love that the up. sitting in my car for the second half because I can't be around people. He's not it's the amazing. only one. That, listen, I know there's a lot of people out there who, when they're watching a big game for their team, demand solitude because they don't want to embarrass themselves. And uh, so he's not alone there, but he's probably alone in the, I'm going to drive an hour to Hooters to, I assume he drove into Denver. Dave, would you get Uber Eats from Hooters? No, I would not, but I would get it from uh, Fogo to Chow. Can we get Max to weigh in on this, by the way, Max? Is it okay to Uber Eats Benihana? (laughs) You were with me when I Uber Eats Fogo to Chow. We were at AFCA together. You you allowed this to happen? Oh my god! I was looking for that. That's you, right. you got Shake Shack with some I other got Shake guys. Shack like a normal, a normal person, person would. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, just, just, uh, just you know, it's just like I feel like that's one of those examples of just because the app will let you do that doesn't mean you should do that. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite retort to that was, "Are you going to Uber Eats Medieval Times?" Like that is the. <laughs> Do they joust when you open? He opens the door and they hit you with that sword. And hey, you know what? Do you think that they flipped a shrimp into the face of your driver (laughs) on the on the pickup? I hope so. Is Benny Hanna's food exceptionally good? Like that's the thing. Like you couldn't find. (laughs) I just wanted some hibachi. It was good. 
your pickup guy just has to sit in for the entire experience and just be like, just put it in the put it in the box for me, please. So I'm super I don't late. Need the, I don't need the rice. Do you think or the the Uber Eats guy drink? had to sit at the table at the edge of the hibachi grill and watch it before we put it in there? They're like, yeah, like the shrimp into the so. we make it fresh. We're not. We don't just have these sitting in boxes, buddy. You know, this is even better. I be- hope so. Dave, you do some weird shit, man. I, I like. I know people think that like I'm weird, and that's okay. I am. But like you are a stay, an experience full of interesting decision making. But like, making. look, I mean, in your defense, like, uh, look, have I have I done like Panda Express? You know, delivered. Of course, I have. Right. So, like, why not elevate it? I I, I get it. I yeah. get it from that standpoint. <laughs> this, uh, but you if know I what? I'm choose, happy we I, gotta, I think part of it is if I had to choose one continent that I could only eat from, it would definitely be Asia. So that's part of the element here. What would your con- continent be, Max? Because I disagree with that. <laughs> I think I know. I think I know which country you're settling on, Ari. You're going Italian for life, right? So do you get, well, you get all of Europe, though, if you're picking a continent? Europe's not a bad pick, but I'm sticking with it. Europe Asia. is the only pick. You get Italy and you get everything else that Europe has. You get Korea, China, Japan, uh, all that. Ta- I think it's Thailand, all the same five ingredients. India, maybe. Is but that that's ignorant? The same thing. That's the same thing as like Mexican food, though. I know. That's why Mexican food is like number five on my list of cuisines. You can't be number one if you have six ingredients. Yeah, are we yeah. are we just driving this caller crazy by not <laughs> yeah. even touching the buffs at any point? <laughs> yeah, hey, listen. We'll uh, be plenty of buffs coverage. Uh yeah, listen. I think he lives in rural Boulder. I can't imagine I can't imagine ultimately. I, I'm I'm happy for the re- like so with Colorado, there's this weird like sort of Dion cult around it where there's a lot of people that don't care about college football necessarily. Don't care about Colorado necessarily that love this Colorado team. I think that number is only going to grow. But I'm really happy for like the actual Colorado fans because I can't imagine having to watch that team last year. They played probably six or seven name your number games where other teams could have scored 100. And then all of a sudden you watch that game yesterday, which is fun, competitive against a, a TCU team that I still think is really good. They might still be one of the 20, te- 20 best teams in the country. I'd say more likely they are than they aren't. Um but that that sort of it's the most satisfying brand of whiplash I can imagine. So I'm happy for the Colorado, Colorado fans and and you know keep dreaming because I think you can dream pretty big. Do you know what I've discovered about Colorado fans, uh, or or not not Colorado fans? The people who are following Colorado, there is a weird subset of people who get mad at you if you don't refer to Deion Sanders as Coach Prime. Oh, it's a real thing. Have you noticed <laughs> this? Like, there's like th- uh, hundreds of these people. That, I think like, it's funny watch everything it's like, and comment about it. Well, it's I was I was uh, so Dion kind of made the rounds this morning on like he did Pat McAfee. He did uh, Undisputed. I think McAfee does. He was referring to him as prime, but like Skip and Shannon Sharp were both referring to him as Dion. I feel like they will not catch it. I think there's a sect of people who believe it's disrespectful, but it's sort of the same people who think if you don't refer to, you know, the coach as coach. Uh, it's not his coach, name. Nobody's coaching me. Yeah, it's also not his name. It's, I, yeah, as a writer, it, this has made me very gun shy about what am I supposed to print. It's a tough print. spot have to you, be. Have you written Coach Prime in any stories that you've written, Dave? I write it. I write Coach Prime when I'm talking about sort of the um, the uh, who he is, like the the no, whole, like, like the general, picture, like yeah, the general hoopla, the Prime effect, like the persona. More than the actual yeah. person, if that makes sense. But when you're tweeting quotes from his press conference, it's Deion Sanders. 
I wasn't. Uh, I don't really tweet quotes from his press. I wasn't able to on Saturday because I didn't have. You get what he's saying here, Dave. Out. Just answer no. the question. <laughs> yeah, when I quote, yeah, I, when it's generally quoting him, yes, we don't. But there's most more people do than don't that cover the team, quite frankly. Okay. Yeah, it is. I think it's corny, but you know, maybe I'll get hate for that. But yeah, I'm you not, not going like, to okay. <laughs> I'm not gonna, but I'm just not going to like just. If Coach Prime <laughs> wants to leave us a voicemail next week, we we will ex- happily accept that. <laughs> We'll also yeah, take like, Coach Prime impressions on the voicemail. I think the Austin American statesman is now going to start quoting Steve Sarkeesian as Sark. Like, yeah. what if you just like every nickname? You don't just get to pick and choose which nickname becomes AP style. Like, Coach you know, P. it's just not. Yeah, Coach P at right. TCU. <laughs> yeah. So the, I know he's a larger than life figure, but that, please um, call him call him Coach Goat at Alabama. If you say anything else, <laughs> it's disrespectful. <laughs> yeah, Coach Goat. Let's go. Next question, hey, guys. You guys you ready a question? For it? Oh, go ahead. I forgot. I, I forgot to ask this during Florida State, and I swear, I swear to God, I'm not trolling when I ask this. Okay, that's a great way to put okay. it. It's a troll. Okay. It's a troll. <laughs> if Travis Hunter plays Florida State this year, do they win the national championship? Probably. Probably. I, yeah, I tweeted on on Sunday night. Like, am I the only one fantasizing about this? The scent, this well, Travis when Hunter. You win, when you win that game, it's easy to sort of shrug it off. If you lose it. So we're going to be writing. I've got a story coming this week about Travis Hunter, and and we got into how Dion actually did this and how he like kept it on the DL. It's pretty unbelievable. Uh, I'll just drop one little nugget here for you in this story at Georgia State Championship game where Travis led them to their first school, the school's first national title. Florida State's entire staff was there. Not one Jackson State coach ever set foot on Travis Hunter's campus. Wow. Including Deion Sanders. <laughs> I don't even know how many other coaches he talked to. Not very many. And here's the thing. If he was at Florida State, like, kind of don't have to play receiver either. You know what I mean? Like, he, if, yeah. if he were just their cornerback, yeah. that probably would elevate that team to being yeah. at least a playoff team, I feel like. I think people yeah. should subscribe to The Athletic and read that story when it comes out, but I may be biased. What can I say? <laughs> Dave, you got enough subs, okay? You're, you're fine. Okay. Uh, <laughs> next question. be wearing a fedora and be i feel like we should make the podcast black and white or at least like a lot grainier like a 70s filter i don't know if producer cam can get that for us but uh it's also just a reminder not to i mean it's a that's excellent voice talent but guys truly through ai all things are possible i think you know yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, i'm gonna say i didn't even know what the question was until like 90 percent in because i was so blown away by how good it sounded it was very good good impressions leave a voicemail we'll play it that's right we will (laughs) <laughs> we're we're right for Coach Prime impressions. I this man says now you got to understand more than any person I've ever seen in my entire life. So let's if you're gonna impress impersonate Coach Coach Prime, you gotta you gotta understand. You need to drop it. You gotta understand. All right. Gotta anyway, understand. I'm gonna say no on this one. I'm not buying. I think Texas wins this game, but I don't think that they're gonna do it running on this front. I think you're gonna put it on Quinn Ewers' shoulders. 
I get he didn't look fantastic against Rice. Uh, it's okay. Uh, I think they, I'm sure they saved a lot. And I think we saw enough from him last year that, you know, I think they're going to try. I think you got to do enough to stay honest. I think you can extend the run game, run some bubbles, get some guys in space, do some creative things. But no, I don't think you're going to have a ton of run here, but I think you can still win the game. I, I think this game's going to be low scoring. Covering that game last year um, in Austin, Bijan played well. Like he played well and he did some stuff in the past game too. He ran really hard and he, it was like 21 for 57. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it was like, it was like he was going up against an NFL defense. Really? That's what it looked like. And uh, he, he gave a great effort though. I think for Sark, it is going to be creating, essentially creating run game out of the screen game. I think it's going to be mm-hmm. what they're doing on the perimeter um, with worthy and all of their wide outs. It's, can you create, um, you know, with, with Keelan Robinson, some of their faster backs, can you create some stuff with running back screens? You know, the, the status of C.J. Baxter will be really important for this game. He left uh, the opener against Rice. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're, Texas is kind of just like Alabama, kind of in the spot where they're going to throw a bunch of different running backs at this and try to, try to you know, block it a little bit better than they did last year when they had a pretty young offensive line. Both or all three running backs that they used um, in the opener are sophomores or, or younger, right? I, I, believe, um, I believe that Jaden Blue and Jonathan Brooks are sophomores and C.J. Baxter right. is a true freshman, right? Brooks um, been with him a couple of years, and Baxter's a true freshman. They might and be red. Keelan Robinson's a veteran, but he's he's more of the scat back guy. Yeah, uh, but I, I I kind of like Texas's three man team back there, you know. And for as good as their offensive line is supposed to be this year, I don't think they played very well against Rice. Um, and that's the most concerning thing to me about this game. Uh, if you watched it, they just it just seemed off. Now. Also, too, like I've been watching college football long enough to know that what you see in one game doesn't always translate into the next one. You know, you might like watch this game and be like, oh, well, this offensive line's not that good. And then the next game, they could just like ball out. So I'm excited. I'm going to this game. Um, and I've never been more excited to cover a game. Uh, well, there have been a few, but this is like really exciting. The spread is seven and a half. And I feel like if Texas can't run the ball at all, that scares me a little bit. You want to be able to move the chains a little bit. And I like the idea of, you know, setting up the run through the screen game. And I think that they've got a lot of talent back there. And really their offensive line just has to show up because if, if Alabama's defensive front just eats the entire day, I don't think they have a chance to win the game. Do do you love that number seven and a half? I do. Uh, I do. I'm scared. (laughs) You know, I, I think that they're, I will be honest with you guys. I think Texas getting its ass kicked could be on the table. Like it's, it's, it's like that. It, it's on the table. Uh, you know, it's like all this preseason chatter of you know Alabama doesn't have an offensive skill player. They can't score yeah. a lot of points. It's like I watched the Western Kentucky game. I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> or not? Was it uh, who did they uh, play? Middle, Middle Tennessee. Tennessee. Middle Tennessee. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know. Why I said Western Kentucky, and I was like, oh my god, David, you poisoned me. <laughs> You're wrong. <laughs> like it's like just Milro. Like yeah, a buddy of mine made this point. I think it's kind of true. It's like Milro was supposed to look this year like Jaden Daniels looked. I think that's what people were thinking. Like that that would be. You know, you know, an explosive runner, a guy who can make some plays on the ground, but, you know, missed a lot of throws and isn't very accurate. It's like he was very, very accurate. And I know it's easier to be accurate against uh, a team that doesn't have as much talent as you. Um, but seven and a half, two scores in a game that's supposed to be one of the better score. I mean, what do you guys think? I mean, I, it's scary. I like, but Texas. I, I, like I, mean, seven I, and I think half. Texas wins this game outright. I still do. Um, I think there is a potential that Alabama just comes out and shuts everybody up. Um, I think that's definitely possible. At the end of the day, 
they're still the most talented team that we've ever seen on paper and in the history. Sport. Yeah. 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 In, in the, the history sport, of the sport. In the history yeah. of the sport. So like that's not a not an insignificant factor, but I have I I think they have deficiencies on the offensive line. They're going to limit them, uh, you know. But Milrow can make some plays. But I think the the offensive line will hurt them. I think Texas is going to be able to cover uh, their receivers, not the spread, but both. But I think ultimately, like this is going to be a low scoring game, a really physical game. Uh, you know, it's a it's going to be a they hitting out there game, um, and we'll see. I, I think Texas is going to be up for this. I think they're going to win it. And I think they're going to drop a very stupid Big 12 game or two down the stretch. That's what I think. I've been saying this all season, and I'm sticking with it. Let me just tell you. And then, Max, I'm really curious about your opinion because you're you're really keyed in on this. If Texas somehow wins this game, my keyboard is going to be on fire. (laughs) Fire! It's only only going to make the the downfall worse. The inexplicable (laughs) loss in October that much funnier. (laughs) Max, what's your feel? I'm looking forward to a text from Oven on Sunday morning. Where I wake that I wake to uh, wake up to where he said, "Did you see Ari wrote four stories last night?" <laughs> Listen, from the Max, game? I got, Max, I got a six a.m. flight out of Denver on Sunday. You're not getting any text from me. On I'm Sunday driving. Night. I'm driving. So I got a cute Ari's little driving, weekend, which I cannot here. wait to hear the recap next week. So, <laughs> so because I didn't know I was going to the game until flights out of Dallas to Birmingham were twelve hundred dollars. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to drive, and I'm going to leave on Thursday night after we put the baby down to cut into the drive. Um, I'm staying in Shreveport by myself on Thursday night, which okay. also is the same night as the beginning of the NFL. So I'm going to prop up the, I'm going to place a wager. I'm going to prop up the NFL game. I'm going to drive three hours. I'm going to get to Shreveport. I'm going to see some cards on Thursday night. You know, a little bit of a man night, you know, an alone <laughs> night. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sleep in, I'm going to drive to Birmingham and then cover the game on Saturday. And then That's it's either going to be a, a long drive home or a really, really like I might just like if if Texas wins, I'm only listening to '80s rock all the way home. <laughs> all right, pay your respects to the Independence Bowl on Friday, please, for all of us. On I will. Pod. Yeah, you got to drive should. by it. Um, <laughs> but I think that it's going to be revelatory for both teams. I think it's a it's a very mm-hmm. instrumental game to like understand which which if if maybe both maybe it'll be a great game. Um, I don't think either team feels like it has to win to make the playoffs still, but. Is one team going to kick the other team's ass, or is it just going to be a great team between a great game between two gladiators? Uh, well, I, I'm very I think excited there's to, to see. Be said, there's something to be said. Ari, listen, how many times a year does Texas like circle somebody, get up for somebody? It's OU, and then sometimes they play a big time non conference game. And I think that when you get a focused, like motivated Texas team that feels like it's an underdog and slighted, especially a team that's this talented. We haven't we don't see that version of Texas very often. A a Texas that doesn't have anything to lose and has everything to gain. It's usually the inverse of that most of the time. So, we'll see. Here here here's my hot take on this one. I think Bama's going to win. And I think my big question mark this weekend is I actually think Everything around Quinn Ewers is really good, and I'm just not sure about Quinn Ewers yet. You know, and I think this mm-hmm. is the game, right? I mean, this mm-hmm. is this is the game. I think the the thing that you saw from Shadur Sanders in Fort Worth is like the thing you want to see from Quinn Ewers. Of like, man, he is just calm, in control, great with rhythm, taking what's there. You know what I mean? Like that kind of performance. If someone's is like, open, it, they're hit. Yes. Right. right. That is the performance That's, we need to Jay see Daniel from Quinn Ewers to do that. for four quarters. A healthy Quinn Ewers. I think, you know, yeah, there were some big games last year, but Red River, obviously Oklahoma was a mess. 
you know, the, the bowl game against Washington, Texas is missing a bunch of players. Like this is the moment for Quinn Ewers. If you want to go out and prove that you are like an NFL dude, like this is the game to do it. And, uh, he, his performance, good or bad, I think uh, it will be very instructive. Does it kind of feel like to you, Max, that it's like if it doesn't happen on Saturday, then it's kind of hard to believe that it will? Are you at that <sighs> point? I'm kind of there. Well, because, uh, believe well, it you will want in him- terms of like getting drafted or t- what do you mean? No, I just mean in terms of him like fulfilling the prophecy of what he was supposed to be. Well, sure. Like if he's if not want, ready yet to If you want to be, be like a Heisman guy, then yeah, I think you're Yeah, I'm talking right, about Heisman, but, savior. Yeah. You know, best recruit of all time, the guy that okay. kind of got the ball rolling a little bit on people, not loving Tom Herman's, you know, well, what guidance if he's like, of the. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think if he if he struggles on Saturday, I think he can be like still be like Sam Ellinger, like a really good player who wins a bunch of games and maybe isn't like, you know, if he's not an elite tier great player on Saturday night, then he's not going to be an elite tier great player. Like Maybe. I mean, when I, I say that, that's influenced like, a little by who's behind him, I suppose. But you're no, very I would, impatient with elite guys, Ari. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> we've gone through guy. this: Kenny Pickett, How? Jordan Travis, all these. We've pointed to guys. You know, if Kyle in the McCord past. can't put up fifty on Indiana. Is it just not going to happen for him? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if he loses not, to Notre yeah. Dame, I think he should quit football and go sell insurance. Somewhere outside of Cincinnati. He's been in, this is a third year. Like if Quinn Ewers was going to be a legitimate, like bona fide star, I'm talking top 15 draft pick here. Like, I think that we should see a glimpse of that on Saturday. I don't think that's, I think that like this idea of waiting till year three to make a judgment on somebody at the quarterback position is just wrong now. It's I don't not, think it's not waiting it, to make a judgment. I just think that it, some guys can progress at different paces. Some guys are just like unbelievable overnight. And I think that the odds are not great if he struggles that he becomes like, you know, the highest rated prospect in the history of, you know, sport translating to becoming a number one pick and a Heisman winner and all these things that are probably on the table for him. I'd say it's unlikely, but I don't think it's like impossible. You can just write it off if he doesn't play well against this guy is was up. I mean, did it take a minute for Drake may did it take a minute for Caleb, like the two best quarterbacks in the sport? But I'm I'm not saying that it doesn't for some guys, but I, we've pointed to different guys that it does take a while for some time. Yeah. I think Ari, for me, the judgment when I say that it would be more not on outcome, maybe more just on performance and our, and and the big moments Boys. of that game. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, they might he, lose Quinn the game, and he still might play awesome. Loses. Yeah, like that's not that doesn't mean he's 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 toast by any means. Okay, let's do the next one. Hey, uh, message for Ari. Shalom. First off. <laughs> I was walking out of the world's greatest college football stadium in Seattle, Washington. And, um, you know, I, I, I just wanted to say thank you for stating the last week. And you know, keep doing it because Michael Penix Jr. is clearly trash. And Javon McMillan clearly isn't athletic. And Roma Dunze clearly isn't strong. They're, they're just a, a walking flat pile. And, and I hope you keep betting against them with everything you're worth. Love you. That's what this show is about right there. Yeah. Like if you are listening that to the show everything we want. and you are punching your steering wheel or you think I'm an idiot or you think Dave's an idiot or Max an idiot, call in and tell us we're an idiot. Am I an idiot? And preferably I Washington. I thought preferably I liked as you're walking game. out of the stadium, grab your phone and call us and tell us <laughs> what, you, thing. Touch what yeah. you think. That's what What's we want to hear. Goddamn voicemail number <laughs> i think i mean ultimately that was really impressive because I, I came away yeah. from that game not thinking well boise's gonna be trash this year i came away from thinking like 
is anybody going to be able to stop or even slow down Washington this year? You're going to probably have to outscore them. Um, as long as you keep Michael Penix healthy, you got some dudes around you. I mean, they're going to be able to score. I don't know how much they're going to be able to stop. Boise's not exactly explosive. Um, but, man. Shoo! All right, that all was impressive. For, forgive me. What did you say to set this off? I said that everybody was viewing Washington as some sort of playoff team and that I wasn't buying the hype yet. Okay. Um, and I think that I don't know if I'm buying the hype yet. What I will say, and this is an admission and I won't ever be able to prove it, but I was on Boise state. Um, Chris Vidini was on Boise state. I think Dave, you were on Boise state. Yeah. Um, the I solid did. verbal I guys Boise. were both on Boise state. Yeah. Like everybody that I listened to was on Boise. Mm-hmm. And that made me feel uncomfortable. Like everybody faded Washington. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that we were all kind of on the same wavelength. And then they come out and, you know, Penix throws for 450 yards and five touchdowns. Like it was a complete ass kicking. And let me just tell you this, like are Washington and USC, you know, and I understand that, that Caleb Williams is a better quarterback than Michael Penix, but are they built the same exact way? Cause USC's defense, uh, was much improved this week. I don't know if we, we can make any thoughts on, you know, how good their defense is going to be, but if they've got a, a pretty good defense, like it's going to be a hell of a pack 12 race, man. I mean, regardless, I think it's going to be unbelievable and you can probably throw Colorado in there. I don't know that Colorado can win it, but they can beat some good teams. I think they just beat one on Saturday. So like, you know, is there anyone in the pack 12 that you can say that Colorado cannot beat? I, I, I'm not so sure you can like, so we'll see. It's, it's really interesting. Um, I mean, ultimately, Boise's probably still like a top five G five team this year, right? Yeah, probably. I think they, yeah, probably, I mean, like to drop put fifty nine on them is like that's they're not far. From we the top we can talk about Middle Tennessee and you know Rice and all these other. I mean, like that's that's an actual yeah. accomplishment. Yeah, that's a that's a top ten team. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, we uh, we have a hell of a Pac twelve race that's on our hands here, but like also too, like when it comes to like fading the public, this is just a bonus nugget. But if everybody, if this line doesn't move and everybody picks Colorado to beat Nebraska on Saturday, like I am fading the hell out of Colorado on Saturday. That is a weird freaking line. Three points. It's be after what, inter- the, it'll be an interesting test of the program. You go from everybody bizarre. hating you to everybody loving you. No, I, we've never seen a pendulum swing this hard on one team in one week. And it will be a test. It will be. It'll be interesting. Like, yeah, three points is like banana land to me. Uh, after what we well, saw, so we'll see. Did you watch Nebraska, Ari? <laughs> yes, every second of it. There's a there's a chance Nebraska stinks this year, so we'll see. That's what I'm saying. I would think that the spread would be bigger. I mean, I With think the still, the- I think there's still some quiet skepticism about Colorado. We'll see. Yeah. Okay. Next one. Hey, Dave and Ari. This is Jack calling from Atlanta, Georgia. I love the pod, and I love both of y'all's writing. But it is absurd that you continue to ignore the group of five as a whole, especially Tulane. Writing as a Tulane grad, I've waited my entire life for the team to be ranked so that the national media will throw us a bone and actually cover us. I was shocked to see a ranked Tulane team get relegated to the College Game Day Steve's Pick Board and then be completely absent from the Until Saturday Reactions episode. I understand that Tulane does not drive clicks, but I'm asking as a fan of the Green Wave on behalf of the entire group of five, 
please cover the smaller conference conferences, even if it's just one sentence about each G5 conference. That's better than what we've been getting lately. Ideally, you would treat any ranked college football team the same, but if that's too much to ask, then please at least acknowledge our existence. Thanks, and keep up the good work. Compelling case from our guy. Two things. One, we don't talk about every top 25 team, and it was an impressive performance from Tulane. They did better than I thought. I thought the game kind of sucked. That's not Tulane's fault for being good. So shout out to the Green Wave for getting it done. I think what he's saying is Tulane had a really good year last year, and they were, they bring back Michael Pratt at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, he threw for almost 300 yards and four touchdowns. They beat the crap out of a team that uh, – a South Alabama team that people thought uh, good had a chance to win that game. Uh, a bunch of guys it back. is certainly something worth mentioning. And I used to do a piece uh, on The Athletic called uh, This Week in Recruiting, and I'm thinking about bringing it back. But at the end of it, if there was something worth mentioning – there were bullet points and people really, really, really liked the bullet points because, you know, just being mentioned or being acknowledged really goes a long way. So, you know, I have a hard time with this because I get tweets a lot all the time, especially if somebody writes a ton about recruiting of you ignore the G5. And then if I ever write a story about the G5 or teams that people feel like are being ignored, they bomb. Um, and I'm trying my best to serve the audience as best as I can. Um, and I think it's important that we acknowledge good teams and teams that have, you know, the ability to win games. But also, too, it's like we also have to figure out how we can serve everybody the best that we can because it's a wide range of listeners. So I'm happy did, to acknowledge them. Yeah, we did give DJ Kinney a lot of love on Saturday night. Yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> you know, and I think, though, too, it's just like there's this weird misunderstanding between interesting and good. Like even mm-hmm. if you're good, what is interesting about you is what's really going to drive the show. I mean, we, we talked at nauseum about Iowa last year and I don't think they were the, the shining example of offensive football. So, you know, don't talk, we have don't to talk be interesting. about the music city bowl champions like that. Ari. But I will say though, if you go out of your way to leave a voicemail about your team, like I'm going to be looking at Tulane differently this year. And if they do and continue to to play the way they are and they do something that makes it interesting, I will continue to bring them up on the show just for you. So thanks for doing that. I appreciate your, it. Your, your, your vow is that if if they continue to do really, really well, you might mention them once <laughs> once in a while. On the yeah. Podcast. Well, I mean, like, listen, if you are a fan enough of the show to read our work and to mm-hmm. listen every week and you have a respectful suggestion that makes it into a voicemail on the show, then you need to know from the hosts of the show that we are going to take that seriously and respect that. So totally. mm-hmm. respect from you, respect from us. We appreciate that. Next one. Hey, guys. This is Nishant from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Go Blue. So my question to you is what is the best time zone for watching college football? I grew up in Michigan watching football on Eastern time where games started at noon and went till 1 or 2 a.m. for back after dark. Then I went to college in California where the game started at 9 but ended around 10 or 11 or so. Uh, so my question is, what's your favorite time zone to watch sports? When's the best time to get started watching football? Uh, and why is it Eastern time? Thanks. No, you guys live in the best time zone. I do not. And this is, I'm, being, I'm being hit twofold here. So this is my case for Central time. I live in Eastern time. I hate it for college football. Noon is too late. I got a lot of time in the morning where I'm just like sitting around. 11 is perfect because you can get some sleep. But you got a full day of games and you can make it to the end of games. Going to Eastern time. 
I haven't made it to the very, very end of college football, but maybe like a handful of times. And then we welcomed a child into our home about 15 months ago. Buddy, it is game over. If I, like, it's not happening. So if you're playing a game that ends at two in the morning, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. Central time is where it's at. If you, if you're ending the night at like 1.15 on a Saturday, that's doable. But it gets to like 2.30 sometimes on the way. I can't do it. The, the 11, the 10.45, 11 p.m. kicks, I, I can't make it. It's easily central time. It's, it's central, but I'm very, I'm very interested this weekend. I think the answer is central, but we're going to find out this weekend, Evan. Is Mountain better? No. I mean, I, I love, <laughs> I love kicking off at 11, but is there merit to let's get this started at 10 and you're going to catch everything before you go to bed? That's tough for fans, especially now with the big noon uh, window. 10 a.m. to kick off a football game as a sports fan. For media, it's sort of a little bit different. Yeah. But asking fans to get there. Listen, TCU, lots of schools have issues. The Central Time schools have issues with 11 a.m. kicks of getting people in the door. 10 a.m., if you're talking about if you want to tailgate, that's like a 6 a.m. wake-up call. You got to, you know, depending on where folks are coming from. Because, the game doesn't you know, start at 10 a.m. in the Central Time Zone and the Mountain no, Time Zone. No, it doesn't mountain. It doesn't mountain. In Mountain, it does, yeah. Mountain, it does. Well, that's what the Nebraska, Colorado is 10 a.m. Yeah. Mountain time. That's crazy. Well, I mean, I grew up in a times. I've lived in all three now. Yeah, I lived in Eastern and I lived in, you know, for the last 10 years, I grew up on Pacific time and now I'm in Central. And I think they all have perks. And I don't know if there's one like I hate Saturday mornings where I've got three or four hours to kill. Like sometimes I yes. just want the games to start. Yes. So that from that matter, I used to like roll out of bed on Pacific time and was greeted with football and then could still go out on Saturday night afterwards and not miss anything. So the like issue that, with, to me, is as a cool. sports fan, though, on the West Coast, though, you have like real like especially like for like NBA season or even college football. You got games starting at like 4 p.m. when you're still like at work. That's insane. Like yeah. it, it, during the week, more often than not, you're going to have to do actual work. and You're going to miss like, you know, a good chunk of. of I remember this covering a USC like, game in L.A. and then waking up the next day and seeing what time the NFL was on was like disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> But that's the thing too. It's like each each time zone I think has its perks for different sports. Because I think that the uh, Pacific time zone is certainly best for NFL for NFL viewing. Like you get not if you want to go to church, Ari. If you're trying to make it to church, you basically have to say. I guess it depends on what your priorities are. (laughs) 10 a.m. and NFL, and then you get to like watch the games all day, and then like at five o'clock you are you have the night game, and then you can watch till eight, and then still like. Do whatever you want to do. I don't know. I, I think that there's pros and cons to all of them. I kind of like Central because you kind of miss the worst of both ends of it. You don't have to wake up I super watched, early and you don't have to stay up super late. So for the NCAA tournament this year, I was in Pacific time. Uh, me and some college friends rented out a house. I actually did not like it. All the games were done and it was like eight o'clock. And I was like, I don't, I don't love this. And also, I'm very tired. <laughs> <laughs> Whew. Next one. Hey, this is Matt from Brooklyn. Uh, first time in a long time. Uh, you all do great work, but uh, this question is for Ari. And um, Ari, mainly I just want to say you could not have been more wrong about the USC defense. I was really proud of you for sticking by USC this past year. I was really looking forward to you being able to cash your bet, but now you seem like you've jumped off the bandwagon too soon. And I really don't get it. During that first game, every Tom, Dick, and Harry with the jersey was getting snapped. We were rotating in 
walk-ons, and you're over here freaking out, asking Andy if you can buy out of the bet early. And so my question for you is, when USC goes to the college football playoff and marches on their way to the national championship, will you then take the money from Andy and put it towards getting a fight-on tattoo? Once again, Matt from Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry, buddy. Never going to happen. Um, I, I uh, with, with tattoos in general, they're they look nice. A lot of my friends have tattoos. I don't know if you guys do. Uh, I but do not. There's nothing that I've ever wanted to have on my body permanently. Like, I don't know. The only thing that I could even consider now would be my daughter's name. But yeah, even then, where I'm at. like, I don't want to look like weird later on in life. If you like my best friend has full sleeves on both arms. So, you know, everybody kind of falls on the different end of the perspe- uh, spectrum on this. He also has my name tattooed on his thigh. And I'm sure that if you could ask him in an honest moment, like, do you want that still there? He probably would be like, I don't know why I did that when I was 24. Um, Can we slap but, a temporary fight on tattoo on you at least? <laughs> I like that. I would do Can this. We compromise. No, we need it. We need a fight under one eyelid and on on the other, like a post Malone. <laughs> you know why I jumped off the bandwagon? It's not just because of the opener. It's not because of you know the rotations of all that stuff. I don't think that they did anything to really address the problem in the off season. Like I, yeah. I to me, I just think that like I would have liked to see more urgency from the head coach. <clears throat> And even if the defensive coordinator stays uh, in terms of like bringing in more guys. And I know that they did, um, you know, they got at bear Alexander and they brought in Tackett Curtis as a recruit and, you know, they have better personnel now, but you can't go from disinterested in tackling to good enough to win a national championship in a year with the changes that they made. Well, so I want to cash my bet. I want to be wrong, but like, I'm not watching USC's D and being like, Okay, when they play the six best teams in the Pac-12 all in a row, yeah. the last six weeks of the season, they're not going to lose. Like it's fun to like talk shit to me now when USC beats the crap out of whoever they played on Saturday. But like when they start playing Oregon, a team that dropped eighty points, when they start playing UCLA, are you going to be able to get a stop? Um, and have you seen anything from this team? Listen to the schedule at Notre Dame, at home against Utah, then a weird game at Cal, then Washington, Oregon, UCLA, all in a row. Like, are we really thinking this team's going to hold their opponents to 24 points a game when they play those games? Or is it going to turn out to be 56 to 44 again? If you put this team in the Big 12, I would be buying, even with the offensive or the defensive issues. There are so many teams in the Pac-12 that can beat them. Surely one or two will get them. And And they're playing a lot of different teams that have different styles. Like Notre Dame can beat them in a different way than Oregon can. And UCLA is different than than Utah. Like, it's not an easy schedule. I I just think it's a crapshoot. With all of those teams at the top, and if USC doesn't do it, I like Washington to do it. But I, I've kind of felt that way. USC's the best team, but defensively, that's going to let you down. Eventually, it's going to happen, and it hasn't happened. You know, the first two year or the first year it hasn't happened in the first two games. You know, I know that USC gave up like a seventy-five yard, you know, pass on the first drive for Nevada, and they ended up scoring, and they shut them down for the rest of the game. I, I trust me. I got a thousand dollars out there. I, I, I don't want to lose that money, um, but I'm just kind of like reading the tea leaves here and I've covered the sport long enough to know that it's like the bears coming. You might not see him, but he's going to yeah. pop out eventually. And I think he's going to get you. So different, different you know, we'll bears see playing defensive line. for you. Yes. Yes. Okay. Thanks for calling in though. And I'm not going to get a tattoo, but you know what I will do if I want a thousand bucks, I'll uh, get you a fight on a uh, hat or something. All right. Email me. <laughs> Uh, 
So I think guy, this is just a, is this just yeah, a this written is, one? Yeah, okay. it's a written, written one. one. Yes. Lincoln Riley's Bobby Petrino. Does Lincoln Riley need a Bobby Petrino as his DC? I realize Jimbo and Bobby are both on the offensive side of the ball, but what I mean is a defensive coordinator that will come in and has the power to tell the head coach that it's going to be this way. If so, who fits that mold and why? Nathan S. Thank you for calling in or writing in. Jim Leonard. Bobby Petrino already works, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. Yes. Yes. Um, get this get this man a Jim Leonard stat. Yeah, I mean, I am out on the defensive staff for USC. Like, and I have been since last. I saw that in Vegas, and I was just like, "This isn't gonna, this isn't gonna get it done." So the fact that the defensive coordinator back, Alex Grinch, he's got a huge year uh, ahead of him to prove, and and maybe people will will continue to, you know, write in messages like that. But you know, I do understand that it is a head coach down problem, and Dave seems to disagree with this. He thinks it's. Uh, or it's not a coordinator problem. It's only the head coach. Like, but the coordinator yeah, but is need, the person. You need, a coordinator, you need a coordinator that's that's got the capability to say, "Hey, we have to make some wholesale changes in the program." And clearly, that is not Alex Grinch. But I just don't. I just don't think it's a schematic problem. I think it's a structural. How much do you hit? How much do you tackle? Problem. So, I feel like they in would some be hitting that, more and tackling more now. In some ways, that would be a. In some ways, that would be a coordinator problem. But I'm talking about through the off season, in spring, in camp. Um, to yeah. develop a level of toughness. I don't think that they are. I mean, it doesn't sound like they are. It sounds like they hit a lot less. And you look about, you know, you hear the stories of all that, you know, how Georgia runs their Tuesday practices, similar to the way Alabama does, and how, like, a lot of good on good in practice. You know, it doesn't sound like USC runs it the same way. You guys watched the Florida State game this week, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How, what would it take for USC to play defense like that? To not only hit people, but punish them when they when they hit them. Well, I mean, I think in fairness, if you look at the USC defense of 21 versus the USC defense of today, from a personnel standpoint, you'd say we're, they're they're probably about where they need to be in terms of talent now, right? So now it comes down to coaching and consistency. And yeah, I think it's going to be, Ari, when you, when you list off all of those big time games, like if you're not juiced up to go hit some guys in those games, then, then it's a, it's a coaching thing. Cause I think they've come a long way in a short period of time in terms of the the talent at all three levels of that defense. Max, I understand you wanted to play a game. What's this game? I do. I do. I I want to play a game with you guys uh, before we get into more written questions here. We call this the genie game. I was thinking a lot about uh, thinking a lot about this. I've I've, uh, one offering for each of you. This genie is not giving you whatever it is you wish. This genie is giving you Shit, a I'm very not losing weight. <laughs> <laughs> this genie is giving you an extremely specific opportunity and you have to make a choice, okay? Mm-hmm. I like this game. All right, Ubman. The genie is giving you a chance to undo and erase from the record one of your preseason takes. Are you dropping LSU for the national championship? Are you dropping Texas Tech winning the Big 12? Are you dropping any comments you've made publicly or privately about how many games Colorado will win this year? Or is there something else you'd like to strike from the record? Uh, I'd say I'm probably, uh, in my own theories, probably most wrong about Colorado. Um, But I think there was a level of uncertainty there that you can sort of say, okay, uh, going out to Wyoming is tough. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say Texas Tech is my Big Twelve champion. 
gonna I'm gonna undo and strike that from the record just because. Buddy, I know it's tough to go out to Laramie, but I thought that program was tougher than being able to get up seventeen nothing, and then I don't know try to get on the bus back to to Lubbock, and it it didn't really work out well for them. A weird loss in which you're not the tougher team, and I thought that a lot of what um. I believed in Texas Tech is that there was going to be a toughness there um, that they haven't had in a long time. And that did not look like a tough football team to me. Wyoming looked like the tougher team. So I'm going to go Texas Tech as my original choice. Okay. Ari, yours is a little more fun. Okay. Ari. Yeah. I the genie off. is oh. offering you a chance <laughs> to undo one bet that you made this weekend. <laughs> uh, Florida State plus one and a half or plus a half. Uh, first half last night that was that was awful truly and utterly awful right side right that's what makes it awful you you want to walk through (laughs) walk walk the people through how painful that became at the end max was living he was living with me (laughs) living it with me and it wasn't even the biggest bet that i made this week it was the most painful one um (laughs) yeah uh, we had uh florida state plus a half uh in the Sunday night game and Florida state scored a touchdown with a minute and six seconds left. Keon Coleman. I think it was a second touchdown to tie the game. Cause I thought that, you know, the one thing that Florida state's strength would go into LSU's question marks. I knew that they were going to score um, 14, 14. There's a minute left. I'm like, okay, now I'm sweating. Cause I've got, I'm winning the bet right now. LSU can't kick a field goal before halftime. Jared verse does a strip sack and it looks like, you know, that was going to end the half. Basically they review it. They say his arms coming forward. I don't think that was even right. Uh, then they LSU comes out and tries to run the ball to get to the locker room. And I break down a 40 yard run down the <laughs> sideline, which now I hear stats on this, on this podcast from Max saying it was one of two explosive runs from a running back in the entire freaking game. And then of course uh, they kick a field goal as time expired. And it's just like, then I watch Florida state absolutely manhandle LSU the entire <laughs> second half. And it's just like, uh, and, and sometimes that is. Why did you go sport- first half Mari, Mari, instead of not, not the full game. If it's a close game yeah. and you believe you got the better side, wouldn't you want them over 60 minutes? Yeah. I, yeah. I don't usually bet the first half, but I thought um, there'd be a chance for some value plays in the second half. Potentially. I don't know. I just felt like, Florida State in a game was going to score early, and I and I thought that you know LSU might be able to adjust to their offensive game plan in the second half. I thought they were going to get their points early, and mm-hmm. you know after the muffed punt, then the interception on the next play, I was just like this this is toast. And then they go all the way down the field and score, and uh, it was just a, it was just brutal. And nobody ever talks about bad beats for first half plays. It's always the full game. But let me tell you, they're alive and well in first half bets you did too. Get, and then I, are you did get yeah. two goal line stands and a half though? To be fair, yeah, sure. I know it's not. If they <laughs> don't feel better, if Keon, if Keon Coleman wouldn't have scored, I wouldn't be cry, crying about it right now. It yeah. was just the way it happened that was. I'm not even saying I was even right, but the way it happened, they were running the ball to. Get to home. go to the locker room <laughs> yeah. and you burst down the sideline for 40 yards in a game where you couldn't get a anything with your running backs the entire game. That's what it had to happen. And then of it's course, well-designed the, run for Mr. Denver. Yes. There. But thanks for, thanks for bringing that up. I was just starting to feel better, but you know. I mean, look, it was a long weekend. I, I assume there, there may have been even more glorious stories than that one. <laughs> there, no, it, it started and ended with terror. Did you bet the, the Did you bet the Norfolk uh, state, Virginia state no. game? You didn't bet that one. Did you see but that? But I bet the, the weekend? I bet the uh, 
what was it, the Louisville Georgia Tech game on Friday night, which also was a terrible beat. So did you see that clip from Saturday, by the way? Of the what's that? uh, Norfolk State and uh, some Virginia, maybe Virginia Poly or something. So basically, this team was winning by three, had the ball at like their own five yard line. Uh, I I think Norfolk State was my I forget. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. The team that was winning by three had the ball at their own five yard line. There's six seconds left. Virginia so they State time, they playing. Yeah, they do a time waster where he's like kind of you're supposed to run around the end zone and take a safety. I don't know what happened to this man. He runs out of the end zone thinking the time is out and goes out of bounds, but there's still one second left. So there then the other team gets a field goal to send it to overtime, but then they block the field goal and return it for a touchdown to win by nine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nightmare fuel right there man nightmare fuel go watch that video if you haven't seen it yet it's that's incredible very funny <laughs> yeah i'm sure it was so many bad for all so many bad decisions and bad plays made in a, such a small window it's beautiful <laughs> just, i'm just hurt for people okay one last question guys is marvin harrison jr capable of winning the heisman with kyle mccord at quarterback cody m I thought so. I think it was a good bet. 20 to 1 before the year. I was telling people it was a good bet. Then he comes you out with mean, two receptions for 18 yards in the first game. It's like, holy shit, what's going on out there? Give me give me one more. Give me give me some more Kyle McCord. I you know, we'll see. No, I know. I'm just saying, like, Marvin Harrison should be catching more than two passes for 18 yards if anybody's throwing him the football. You're not like wrong. That, but I also like that, think to I, me I, it's this like is a, this is a situation I think we were saving stuff for Notre Dame too. But I also also think that Marvin Harrison would be the reason Kyle McCord turns out to be really good if that happens. Like he is the like I feel like this year's Ohio State offense is not going to be quarterback driven for the first time since I can remember. And they're going to be good or I think they'll be good because of Marv. So if Drake May you know loses 3 or 4 games and Caleb Williams is overanalyzed because he won it last year, it's hard to win back to back. Like Jordan Travis is scary now after what we saw on on Sunday. But it seemed like this could be a year where a guy like Marvin could win uh, because I don't know if there's any slam dunk cases at the quarterback position. Now, obviously that changes. People come out of nowhere. But if he had a 1,600, 1,700-yard season with 20 touchdowns or some crazy numbers like that, which is certainly on the table for a guy like that, um, I thought he could have won it. I feel like uh, the first game didn't really help his cause. But, you know, I will tell you guys one thing because you both were in it. Getting Travis Hunter in the fifth round of our fantasy Heisman draft was pretty. I feel pretty good about that. Pretty darn good. Uh, um, you should better than my Tyler Buckner pick so far. So yeah. far, hey Buckner had more touchdowns than Harrison this week. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Cooper wants to know who's better, Travis. I gotta and say, I, missed- I, I didn't. I missed Marvin Harrison's interception and three pass breakups on Saturday. I didn't. I didn't see that one. Do you, you think that, that? Do you think that Travis Hunter's a better receiver than Marvin Harrison? No, not right now. Better college football player. I mean, it's tough to say. They're, Those like are so different. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Marvin Harrison is going to be a top five, top ten pick, you know, barring some crazy injury. I don't really think it matters that much. All right. The field this year. So uh, according to bet MGM here, Travis Hunter has moved from. Plus. OK. He was off the board and he was like 50 to one. At the He's beginning now, now 3,500 Ari. What do yeah. you think of that? Yeah, that's uh, still pretty good odds, I think. I mean, if the guy, the thing I don't know is, will his body be able to handle him playing 130 plays a week? They seem to like, think so. Dion's not letting him practice. He's got a hamstring issue, and Dion's not letting him practice until like Wednesday this week. So, like, you know, they're they're very mindful of that. I, I we've never here's the thing. 
We've never really seen a guy try to play as many snaps as he's going to play this year. We don't know. History tells us no, but he might just be that dude. Like, he's pretty slight, but he has game. I think he was, he was, I don't know what weight he was when he left college, but he's at about 185, 190 right now. But he doesn't really look like, you know, mm-hmm. he, he takes contact well. He knows how to fall. Yeah. Um, he's he only took, hit, really he took hits at receiver. Injury. He certainly did. Yeah, he's only had yeah, one really too. major injury in his in his life, as far as I know. He had a, uh, I think it was a fractured ankle, some kind of ankle, something in high school. But I don't know. I yeah. mean, so much of this is like there's so many variables that like, yes, it's possible that he can go. I mean, the thing you have to watch out for is soft tissue injuries. And then just from a probability standpoint, you're taking twice as many hits as most people. Um, and a lot more than most receivers if you're going to play corner because you're engaging in a lot of blocks and, you know, twice as many blocks, having to make tackles, getting caught up in all kinds of stuff. So, you know, you never hope a guy gets hurt. Um, but, you know, the odds are against it. But, you know, the odds are against a lot of stuff. So we'll see. I didn't know that Updated other was medical Caleb, school. Okay. Caleb Williams, 450. <laughs> Michael Penix, 850. Jordan Travis, plus 1,000. Yeah. Um, Horatio Martinez is giving me crap. No slam dunk. Did Caleb go pro? It's been like 50 years and someone won it twice. Like, do you think it's a we've, slam we've, dunk? We've been over why it? it's like the, the Heisman repeat. It's not a like, slam it's, it's, dunk. Do you know what slam dunk means? <laughs> oh. Listen, if I'll say this, if if there were 120 Heisman voters instead of 900, the odds of a repeat would be much higher because mm-hmm. I think you'd have, yeah. more, you'd have a more informed. People electorate. are just discriminatory against the person who just won it because they want so. new it, blood. I think that's, that, honestly, I think that's true. true. I think there's a that's contrarian true, and that's thing also, to that. That's true, and it's also not even that simple. The problem is that you have an uninformed electorate, which there's a lot of that going around these days. But like, ultimately, like, yeah, you know, there's just, there's too many voters. Like, there's too many eyes of voters. There's a lot of people that don't pay attention to that vote, and that's that's up. Well, Horatio doubled down and said that Caleb's a slam dunk, and I'll tell you, he's plus he's money. Not. So take. Yeah, Every single he's, he's one of time. your cents in your entire life, your house, your car, your wife's salary, everything, go put on <laughs> Caleb. You'll you'll retire. It's that simple. It's a slam dunk. Um, all right, guys. Thank you so much for watching until Saturday. That was one of my favorite shows that we've done since the return. That was fun. Max, I hope you can keep joining us on Mondays. Totally. Sundays, yep. sorry. Uh, that was really, really fun. Be sure to follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to the podcasts. Of course, also be sure to rate and review it. Five-star reviews are more than more than generous, more than welcome. Leave a thumbs up and hit the subscribe button on the YouTube channel. The link, if you are listening to this in podcast form, is in the show's description. Follow David Ubbin at David Ubbin, uh, Max Olson at Max underscore Olson, and at Ari Wasserman. All three of those are the Twitter Twitter feeds. And, of course, that was a hell of a lot of fun. We will be back all week previewing next week's games. We're going to be – all three of us are going to be on the road. We're still going to find a way to do this. Super excited. I feel like we're starting to hum now and until Saturday. And Mm -hmm. thanks for listening. So for Max and Dave, uh, I'm Ari Wasserman. We'll catch you guys soon.